Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur with your host, Steve Kidd, third-generation minister and 30-year business coach. Listen in as amazing, world-changing authors, speakers, and coaches share their struggles and victories, and hear from best-selling authors' insight into how you, too, can live your life as a thriving entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur. Thanks for being here today. We appreciate having you here with us. We appreciate that you invest in yourself to thrive in your life and business. You know, they kind of both intertwine because when you have a thriving life, it is more possible to have a thriving business. When you have a thriving business, it is much more possible to have a thriving life. If you have difficulty in your life, it can impact your business. And if you have difficulty in your business, it can impact your life. So it's important that we thrive in both our lives and in our businesses. It's important that we have balance. It's important that we understand what is really important. That's what I want to talk to you about today. Because there are so many things, especially now, that take our attention. You know, I'm sure everybody listening has a cell phone that has social media, email, um, you know, texts, all of those on it. In fact, for some of you, the question might be, when was the last time you actually talked on the phone to anybody? Um, I know that's weird, isn't it? Must be old guy talking here again, right? Um, I still actually really, for the most part, prefer just, I mean, don't get me wrong, I love technology. I like having a Bluetooth headset where I can just put it in my ear and, uh, you know, I can talk and I don't have to hold on to the phone. That's awesome. That's amazing. But a lot of times, personal communication, one-to-one talk is no longer around. There are so many of these things, as I was saying, that they drag our attention away. So, you know, I love the uh, the picture I saw. It was in a TV show or something where the whole family is sitting around the table and there's no sound. And then they show you and each of the family members is texting one another. You know, the same people that are around the table, they're having text conversations back and forth rather than just saying, hey, how you doing? And talking to one another. Um, You know, there's the other side of that too, where um, it's the teens talking to their friends, the parents talking to their friends or dealing with work. And again, same outcome. Nobody's engaged at that meal. Nobody's engaged, uh, you know, in that TV show you're watching or that board game you're playing. Um, You know, I had a friend that I heard recently that he was talking about how he tried uh, really hard to, uh, you know, get his children to to do some things that weren't social media and phone related. Um, And uh, he tried playing board games with them and they got bored (laughs) by them. 
Um, and so he actually took him outside for basically as long as he could spend the time. Um, and they got bored playing outside too. Do you remember what it was like? You remember when your mom used to tell you, go outside, go outside and play. You need to go. Um, my earliest mentor, uh, my good friend, Dr. Donald Joy, um, he used to say, children need to move their big muscles. They need that activity. They need the endorphins that are released, all of those kind of things. Um, but instead, so often, that little four-inch screen, maybe yours is bigger, maybe it's a six-inch screen, um, draws all of our attention away. You look around the room while you're watching a TV show and you see everybody else in the room is on their phone. And you can't really say anything to them because the reason why you looked around is because you were wondering if everybody else was frustrated with you because you were just on your phone, right? Happens to all of us, doesn't it? Every once in a while, you know, we'll be sitting there uh, watching, listening, ignoring, whatever the right word is, the television, you know, and we'll uh, be on our phone and we'll look over and, and the other person or people that are in the room, they're on their phone too and we'll say something like, Hey, how you doing? Or, hey, what's going on? And they'll be like, huh, what, what? <laughs> um, we've all had it happen to us. There are just so many distractions. And so today we really want to take a look at what's really important. What are the things we really should be focusing on? Often we think about things like success and money or even on a more simplistic version, that next client or that project that's next due. Um, and it's so, uh, so easy to be wrapped up in the immediate thing that's demanding our attention rather than having a clear, concise definition in our mind of what's really important. There's this big word that we're gonna talk about a whole lot during this episode. It's called significance. I've got a great author that I'm bringing for you today. One of our people, a good friend of mine from one of the masterminds that I'm in, um, new friend, but I've really enjoyed getting to know him. And I'm really excited to introduce you to him today. Um, even as we're working on some of his other book projects, um, this particular message is so powerful that I just needed to bring him to you today to talk to you about the things that we spend our time on and encourage you to really think, is that what's really important? Is that really what I should invest my time in? Or is there something better, something greater that I really should have be the primary thing in my life. It's really easy to have things come and go out of our lives and end up in a place where we let the things that we later discover were really important, we let them have gone by. I don't wanna see you in that place. It's always so sad. I mean, I know there's times in my own life where I've 
lost focus on what's really important. And I've put my effort, energy, time, and talent into things that don't have that long-term, that importance. And it's really important to understand when we're distracted, what's distracting us, and then really shift our, our gaze, if you will, towards the things that really matter. I encourage you today, step aside from all those distractions for just a little while here with us and focus yourself in on creating a clear definition of what's really important to your life, to your business, in your world, so that you too can live today as a thriving entrepreneur. We'll be right back. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out, and find out how you can be a best-selling author today. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back. Today I'm so excited to talk to you about what's important, what's significant. And so I want to challenge you right up front here. What are the things going on, maybe even right in this minute, in your head, and are they important or are they trash? Ooh, that's a fun word that we're going to talk about a lot today. I really want to encourage you to take some time to evaluate the thoughts that come through your mind. We're never going to be in a place where we can stop ourselves from thinking. Don't even think you can do that. But we can learn to be the observer to those thoughts and let the ones that aren't going to make us the most significant, important part of ourselves, the best we can be. We can allow those to just go through and move on. So let's not focus on the trash. Let's focus on the treasure as we jump in here. Join me in welcoming Greg Gates. Hey, Greg, how are you doing today? Man, Steve, it's incredible to be here. I'm doing fantastic. All right. So no head trash talk nation. I love that phrase. Um, tell us a little bit about who you are and what got you to the place to start this great movement. Well, that's a pretty big ask. You know, the No Head Trash movement uh, kind of is a spinoff of, of the Breakthrough Leadership uh, program that I've been working with and teaching for the last few years. But let me tell you a little bit about me first. Um, you know, all of us have things in our lives, right, that uh, we believe are true, things that absolutely we, we live and thrive in. And for me, that was business forever. 
I believe that, uh, you know, I was designed to make money, man. And I, I suppose I got good at it at an early age and, and found that there were other areas that made me more uncomfortable. So I pursued making money thinking that when I got there, everything else that I'd hoped would be a part of my life would like already be there waiting for me. And I'm just catching up. Right. And what I didn't know was that after about 30 years of literally at that time, I owned 14 different businesses at the same time, had almost a thousand employees network. Their worth was, you know, ridiculous. Let's just say I made a couple mistakes and lost over 50 million and I wasn't broke yet. So uh, I really felt like I'd been successful. And what I found out was that, that there was a lot of contamination going on in my head that kept me from ever being satisfied, from ever being the real person I wanted to be because I felt the expectations, spoken and unspoken, were driving my life and, and I had zero freedom. It seemed like the more successful I was in society's eyes, the smaller my circle got and, and the more contaminated my thoughts and, and my isolation became. And, you know, I am just so thankful, Steve, that I had a major catastrophic brokenness that helped me reach breakthrough in my life. And it required, of course, a, a lot of steps in the, in the process and in between. But, you know, I'm an, I'm an entrepreneur all the way and baby, I'm all about thriving and striving. But now my mission is helping other entrepreneurs, especially men, business men, um, helping them get clear about their thought processes and to get rid of the little head trash issues that absolutely are like swimming in jello every day if you're in leadership. So I'm even looking at the cover of your book. It's called Broken. Um, you know, the first thing that I think about is uh, the different ways that many of us use the word broken. Um, there's even, if you've heard the, uh, the song at church where, you know, it's brokenness is what I long for. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's part of the song holiness. Um, maybe you've heard that one, maybe you haven't. Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. But, uh, you know, we sing that, but I don't know that we really, any of us really long for brokenness. <laughs> um, but when you say broken, it was a pretty severe thing. Can you give us a, yeah. a little bit of that backstory? Yeah. And, and thanks for referring to my book. I really believe that, that the book, uh, broken, the broken book, how I, how being broken unlocked the greatest success of my life. Well, I wrote that because I needed to understand what happened to me, Steve. And what I've found is that as in particular businessmen have read that book and read about my thought processes, my attitudes, my addictions, everything about it, I've had so many people come back to me and say, I thought this book was going to be about you. And I found out it was really about me. And it's opened the door for people to talk about vulnerabilities and brokenness in their own lives that we've always assumed really weren't fair game to talk about. We don't want to look weak to anybody. We, we posture all the time, whether we need to or not. And so, yeah, my personal story of brokenness, I tell people, you know, I want you to learn what I've learned without experiencing what I've experienced. And yet people will ask me, Greg, do you think if you had not experienced this brokenness that you would have actually found the breakthrough that you have now. I mean, I got to tell you, Steve, I am not even the same man. I've got all the same skills, all the same passion, all the same fire in my life, but I am liberated. 
kind of like you said, we don't want to be broken. I didn't understand what it meant. I didn't understand what grace meant. I didn't understand any of it until I needed it. So I want to help people beyond that, but there is no question in my life. We don't have to ask if people need to be broken. We're all broken. We're all fraudulent. We all have areas of our lives that we, we absolutely persist in the lies that we have to tell ourselves to keep moving forward. And some people maybe don't realize that yet, but it exists. Yeah, my story. Sorry, I, don't, I get carried away on this topic, my friend. I just get carried away. No um, my, uh, my story, you know, I thought I couldn't do anything wrong. For more than 30 years, uh, everything I did, I was the golden boy. I mean, I built businesses. I made money. Seemingly just couldn't do anything wrong. Not that we didn't have setbacks here and there, but, but by and large, I just felt like that was the gift God had given me was to make money. I was the guy who was supposed to write the check. I almost envied people who felt like they were on a mission and a real calling because I felt like, huh, I'm just the guy who's supposed to make money. Um, and I, in, in, um, when I was 37, I retired the first time I sold a business. And after about two years of playing golf and, uh, you know, not really being on a mission, I was driving everybody crazy and I knew that my life was meant for way more than just making money. So I began to drive back into business. I, I started acquiring property. I started acquiring businesses. And in that range, the early 2000s, um, real estate, of course, just was jumping. So I ended up uh, in the real estate business, buying properties, had more than 200 pieces of property at one time, had, you know, I was developing, I, uh, started a construction company, bought a concrete company, bought into flooring companies. We had an IT business, a pest control business. Uh, we've had property management business. I can't even remember all, you know, franchise businesses that were just places for us to invest our money. And, and I mean, we were just going like crazy. And in 2008, I was about two years into the development of a new golf course and all of the homes around it, about $15 million into that project. And everything shut down. But of course, I was arrogant enough to believe that, right? I mean, the, the smart people are buying when everybody else is selling, you know, so I didn't want to bail out on any of those things. I thought this is the time you bear down. I uh, worked a situation with the bank, which was that I was working with. They were obviously in a, in a world of hurt too, because banks who were heavily into real estate, suddenly their loan loss requirements went through the roof. The, the regulators all of a sudden told them they didn't want more than 300% of their capital in real estate. And most of them had thousands of percent. So nobody wanted to have real estate. And um, I was in a situation where they wouldn't loan to complete the project, even though we had an agreement in place. So long story short, I borrowed money against another business that I had. Everybody was in the loop on that. And I used the money to complete this project. Three years goes by, and I'm in my office looking out the glass windows, and police cars start streaming into the parking lot. Uh, I write about this in tremendous detail in my book, by the way, and it's a brutal book. It's brutal. It's not vulgar. It's brutal, though, as far as the, the, the interpersonal side of it and the process all the way through. Um, I was being raided, although I thought, wow, somebody's really done something bad here, Steve. <laughs> They're really after somebody. Didn't know it was me. Uh, they took every, you know, they took all our filing cabinets. They took everything out of our, uh, our paperwork and everything. We didn't even know what they were looking for. We had survived all this. We were moved on, you know, 
and the bank had failed, unfortunately, and that made it an FDIC federal matter. So long story short, uh, about three years later, I got indicted as a part of this process, even though they told me that I wasn't who they were looking at. Um, they were looking to see what happened with the bank. I got indicted for bank fraud because I'd used the funds outside of their intended purpose, which I told them is absolutely true. That's exactly what I did. And I ended up spending a year in prison for this, for doing this, uh, during which time, of course, your businesses just don't survive well when you're the charismatic leader who suddenly isn't there to, to keep things going. And um, it was really a brutal time in my life, but it was also a time when I got to embrace the possibilities that existed beyond just a performance level striving all the time um, for success because the validation issues of my life were really the issues. I was addicted to the need to be validated by somebody else, by making money, and I had zero peace. And I didn't find that peace until I was in prison. And man, the stories, the stories in that book about prison, prison life, uh, you know, about sharing a 10 foot by 10 foot cell that's like smaller than my walk-in closet here at home uh, with four guys. I mean, unbelievable place to be, but a place where you suddenly can evaluate what's it going to look like? What would it be like if I were actually successful, not just pursuing money? And that has been the awakening for me, Steve, to go from being broken to breakthrough in my life. That brings up such a huge question. So, you know, you have all this money, you have all these businesses, you have all the things that probably 99% of the people you're ever going to talk to are going to say is success. And you discovered none of that was success. So what is success then? What's fascinating is that when everybody's telling you you're successful and you don't feel successful, what do you do with that? I mean, what do you do with it? It's, it's a terrible thing um, to feel that you're now being, you're looking for the evidence of your success outside yourself. You're looking for some deal or some situation or some praise by other people to tell you whether or not you've achieved your definition of success because you don't, I didn't have one. I thought society had defined what success looks like, Stephen. This is to answer your question. Um, society cannot define what success looks like for us. And one of the things that I work with one-on-one -on -one with a lot of really high-level business people is this idea that without clarity about what it would look like when we're successful in our bodies, when we're successful in our minds, when we're successful in our relationships, when we're successful in our faith and successful in our finances, if we don't know specifically what those things look like, what the evidence would be that we were successful, then we'll consistently think that it's going to be out there uh, telling us the answer once we achieve it, that we're going to find satisfaction or significance after we've done something. And the reality is if you don't bring those things to the party with you and achieve them on an incremental daily basis with measurable means to do so, then you're never going to find them out there when somebody else says you're successful. Who has the right to be able to say in your life whether you are or aren't successful? Is that a definition you've created yourself? 
Or is that something that somebody else, somewhere else, has created a definition that you now live by? When I say living as a thriving entrepreneur, is it something that I've said to you or somebody else has said to you that makes you think when you think of the word thriving? Or have you defined what it takes for you to live your life as a thriving entrepreneur? Think about that during this break, and we'll be right back here on Thriving Entrepreneur. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out, and find out how you can be a best-selling author today. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. I'm here with Greg Gates, and we're talking about head trash and about the things in life that are really truly important let's talk more with greg as we find out not only what is success but what is significant significance is a word that keeps coming back to me in fact i remember i was 20 you know i was a young buck uh thought i had the whole world to tackle and i was in a men's group every other guy in the group was like 50 <laughs> and they were going through a book called Moving from Success to Significance. Mm-hmm. And I got to tell you, honestly, Greg, I didn't get it, <laughs> you know, because sure. I was 20. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, significance, I mean, what does significance really look like? You know, for me, and I, and I th- do think this is a personal journey. Um, first of all, let me preface that by saying that most of us, especially when we're 20, are out there thinking that there's some giant we've got to conquer, some dragon we got to slay, some mountain we got to climb, and we ignore the straightforward, simple things that really result in success. Um, We ignore them in every area of our health. You know, I'm always talking about the five opportunities, you know, but in our health, our our mindset, our faith, our finances, and our relationships, we we ignore the tiny things looking for these big, you know, earth-shattering, superhero-type type things. And significance is, for me, is really about understanding what my highest created purpose is and, and pursuing, that's what I call it, my highest created purpose. In other words, understanding and realizing that I'm not just here to achieve some target on the scoreboard. I'm here to add value and to be value, not be valuable in the terms of measurable dollars, but to add value to people's lives. It's, it's strange the perspective, as you alluded to, that happens when you get just a little bit older and you realize that the only things that really have any value are the connections and the relationships and, and the dimensions of living that exist inside 
the, the knowledge of those relationships with other people and with God. And, and yet, how would we ever imagine that success and significance are going to be defined because we've got dollars? You know, one time I had three airplanes, you know, I'm flying all over the world. I'm doing crazy things. I had zero depth of relationship with anybody, not even my wife, because I could not be myself anywhere. And to me, being significant is that being honest with myself, being vulnerable with other people, I'm making a difference in their lives. And I'm like living, breathing this human and spiritual experience all at the same time. I mean, it's not a very concise definition, but man, it sure speaks to me. Mm, no, I like it. I think it's one of those things that you can't just say three or four words. You really do have to explain the concept of significance because I think, especially as guys, I don't think we're really ever taught that, you know, success. We see that all over. We can go to every movie and see that, but significance. I mean, when was the last time you saw a movie where the guy was really searching for significance? Yeah. And I, I think there's another point exactly in line with, with what you're talking about there that, that I like to highlight. And that is this concept in, in the movies, like you used as an example, that there's this moment in time where we achieve this level and then we're happily ever after, right? It's like, oh, I got that magic moment. I kept looking for that. I kept looking for that moment when I would know that I had made a difference, that I mattered, that people didn't just like me because I could do something for them, that I actually was making a significant contribution to their lives, that it mattered that I was alive. Because I reached a point, you know, when you go to prison, you kind of question a few times if you're not just better off dead. You know, if everybody wouldn't just be better off if you were dead. I mean, I, I admit to it. That's how I felt. I really felt that I had been given an opportunity. I had blown that opportunity. And I was never going to have that opportunity again. And I had to really shift my beliefs about what it meant for my life to be significant if I was going to move forward. I'm afraid that if we leave people with you in prison, that they're never going to see the other side. So <laughs> before we move on to anything else, give people an idea of what life is like now. I'm glad you asked that because it's, isn't it interesting how we're talking about one defining moment in my life uh, with after more than 30 years of, of business success and, and everything. And then uh, I've got this literally what ended up being about 10 months where I was in prison and then now it's been, uh, I got out in 2015. So, you know, it's been four years since I was there. And when I got out of prison, interestingly enough, my belief system had to be reconstructed, right? I mean, the same issues we were talking about still existed. I had talents I was afraid to use because I knew that it could be risky. I could fall back into the same traps of searching for significance in money pursuing things that ultimately didn't really matter. And yet at the same time, I knew I had to provide for my family. I knew that I had to be able to step back out into society. And Steve, when I got home, and, and this is in graphic detail in my book, but when I got home, I did not even want to go to church. I didn't want to go to the grocery store. I didn't want to go anywhere because I felt like when I was in the public presence, it was like I was stepping into a microwave of, of radiation that was just you know, overwhelming me. And to talk about where I am now is to talk about the pivot 
when I realized that I was going to have to shift one of my primary beliefs. And, and that primary belief was that I had value because I could perform. I believed that because I could perform and accomplish things that I had value to other people and even to God. I, of course, I can understand how God loves me. Look what I, the stuff I can do, right? <laughs> it sounds stupid when I say it out loud. Um, and, and yet, I knew that if that was true, if that were true, that since I couldn't perform, that meant I had no value. And that just crushed me. I knew, and it started literally with me just saying, well, if I'm ever going to move forward with my life, and maybe there are people out there listening who really feel this way right now, whether they'll admit it or not. If I'm ever going to move forward with my life, I have to believe and select the belief that my highest created purpose is still ahead of me. It's, it, it's not behind me. I didn't miss it. It's still ahead of me. That God's more powerful than I am stupid. Okay, that's me. That's me talking with a little head trash attitude. Uh, you know, that, that if for me to thrive as a person, as a man, as an entrepreneur, that for me to thrive, I was going to have to believe that this was on the journey still for me to become who I was created to be. And when I first wrote that down, I didn't believe it. I, I, I thought that it was a stretch. But I began to reiterate that belief to refine my personal definition of success and keep speaking it out loud every day. And gradually over time, what I realized was I have incredible gifts. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I have, I have a lot of gifts in business, a lot of gifts in leadership that, that are kind of rare. At least I'm told that and I've seen it by the evidence of what I'm able to accomplish. And yet God could use those gifts I didn't have to be afraid of them, that I could pursue my highest creative purpose that's still out there. And so every day I'm asking myself this one question, Steve, what would it look like if I really believed what God says about me? What would it look like if I absolutely achieved my highest creative purpose and that I were making this impact on the world? And it's taken me from a lack of confidence that I struggled with getting out of prison uh, and it's taken me to this realization that it isn't even about me, that it's about what can I be as a branch hanging onto the vine, if you understand the spiritual reference, what could it be if God's presence, if my highest creative purpose was flowing through me as a warrior, going out to bear fruit in the world, what could that look like? And that's the point at which I began to see breakthrough erupt into my life. And, and it's still erupting. I still am having opportunity literally today and yesterday both. I had conversations with men who were absolutely broken and needed to be able to talk about things that mattered so they could figure out how to re-engage with the gifts they've been given, how to re-engage with their faith and become who they were created to be. And I am all every day in about taking people from brokenness to breakthrough. Not that I have the smarts, it's just that Somehow, when we go together, Steve, it, it matters. I mean, when we can go together, when I know that you and I are going the same place and we get to go there together, it just makes an incredible difference. Mm. Well, there's a whole bunch of other conversations you and I will need to have not on the radio because there's a few <laughs> things that, as open as I am, I'm not necessarily going to share my whole life on the radio. You'd be surprised. I share a lot of things, but you know, there's still a few things. 
Um, but I do want to jump into head trash. Um, and maybe what I'm actually admitting is, is that I still have some myself. <laughs> so first of all, let's give people a definition. What is head trash? You know, head trash is the, the I've refined it to be the questions that our own minds are asking us, our own subconscious minds asking us because we're not defining who we are, where we're going and what's happening. I know that sounds a little counterintuitive. Head trash is the thought process that creates inaction instead of action or that brings fear creating inappropriate action versus appropriate action. Um, head trash, I call it sometimes the jello, you know, we're like swimming in jello because of our head trash, but it's really anything that prevents us from getting traction to move from where we are to where we want to be. And it's rampant. And for, you know, for any of us to think that we are going to get rid of it is, is crazy. We're not going to get rid of it. It is absolutely the enemy that's standing in the gap between where we are and where we want to be. It's all of those enemies, because I promise you, the enemies that we're going to face, by and large, are not other people. The enemies we're going to face are in our own head. And that's the passion that I can have. I did a talk one time. I got up and did a talk in a church and told them we got to hate our enemies. You'd think that went over. But by the time it got done, they understood that what I meant was, if we are not emotionally emotionally engaged and passionate about defeating the enemy that exists in our own thought processes that is self-limiting and keeps us from where we can be go, then we're always going to think those enemies are actually people or circumstances. That's the book I'm almost to finish right now that I, uh, you and I've been chatting about is this book called Circumstances Lie because in my opinion, it's the greatest deceiver that we face because we look around to get the evidence that we're trying to gather in these circumstances and, and it's all head trash. I mean, because none of it absolutely exists as reality in the kingdom viewpoint and head trash, man, it's a great topic. Actually, Steve's head trash is where we get to define the things individually that are holding us back and uh, not necessarily that there's a solution to click a switch and, and it goes away. Just simply that we create awareness. Mm, that's good. I love here, I'm looking at your Breakthrough Leadership website, and I love that you say that you have a superpower, the ability to make easy things hard, simple <laughs> things complicated, and turn fun into work. That's my gift. It's my gift, man. <laughs> so what makes easy things hard? Well, well, for years, I've been, I've laughed about the fact that, you know, I could take anything that anybody was having fun at or that I had fun at and say, well, how can we do this better? How can we systemize it? How can we, you know, because I always believed that it was going to be in these complex issues that things were going to be great. You know, like it couldn't be simple. I guess that's my point. I, I didn't think that leadership, for example, could be simple. I thought it had to be something that pushed people beyond reasonable average mentality. And what I've found is that that's head trash. <laughs> this idea that we're out there to find that secret nugget that's buried in the ground somewhere. We've all read all of the books that tell us how simple, great leadership and self-improvement, how simple they are. And for the most part, we're unwilling to do it. It's those simple traction items that we could do every day. What if every day 
we did those simple things. I've always been the guy historically. And I think what you're seeing, you know, it's me leading into the fact that I'm saying that, you know, that was my head trash is that, is that it's not complex. It's consistently doing the small tractionable items that move us from where we are. In fact, I engage people and say, okay, yeah, let's break it down. What is the absolute tiniest thing that you could do today? Not out of your comfort zone. I lived out of my comfort zone. I had people tell me, and I thought it was the greatest compliment. A guy told me one time, man, I don't think you're happy unless you're out of your comfort zone, Greg. I thought, man, that is awesome. I love that. The truth is we should start right where we are stay in our comfort zone and just continue to practice and expand and become. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, even my mastermind group that I, that I lead individually is called practice zone leadership. That's, that's my emphasis is practice zone leadership. I believe we got to practice and what better place to practice than with guys like you and me, um, where we're learning together, going through the leadership moves and keeping it simple. Mm. Simple is so Simply hard. <laughs> <laughs> yep, it is. Are you learning how to make things truly simple in your life? Or, like both Greg and I, are you a superhero at making easy things hard? Think about that one. What are you doing that you're overcomplicating in your life when it could be really simple? Often it's little things like, you know, telling somebody that we really love, hey, you know what? I love you. It can be just that simple, but we overthink it. Did I say this the right way? Did I say it at the right time? You ever have those kind of things happen to you? Think about that during this break, and we'll be right back here on Thriving Entrepreneur. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to We Help youthrive.com check us out and find out how you can be a best-selling author today welcome back to thriving entrepreneur this is steve welcome back thanks for listening to thriving entrepreneur i'm joined today with greg gates we're talking about our head trash about the things that we think are important but they really aren't and that success, uh, you know, roller coaster, hamster wheel that we end up on, and how can we really do the things in life that are important, the things that lead to a truly significant life. What is the most common thing that you find that is actually simple that people make the hardest? Oh, what a great question. Um, you know, the, the interesting part for me is the idea of systems. Okay. And 
I know that you're probably reading the same book I am right now because we share some commonality there, and that is the Atomic Habits book. Um, but one of the things I love about that book is, is it says so well what I experience out there on a daily basis with leaders who are trying to get traction. And, and this is the, the answer to your question. It's that people don't believe that there are simple things they can do that will deal with complex issues. They will start their sentences like this. Well, it's different. My situation is different. We all think we're the exception, Steve, and that's the biggest head trash. That's the biggest thing that gets in the way of people actually achieving the objectives, buying back time, gaining margin, and by that I mean personal margin and space, the ability to train other leaders so that we're not just overwhelmed all the time, is this idea that our situation is the exception, that we're somehow different. And if I can help people understand that they are not different, they're just making excuses for why they're not willing to find the simple systems that can make their lives easy. That is the single issue that gets in people's heads the worst as it relates to leadership is that they're the exception. Their situation is the exception. The people they have to deal with are the exception. Their health, their physical genetics, their whatever it is, is the exception. And I know this for sure, that if we will consistently do the small things, the increments that take us to success, there are no exceptions. There may be a difference in speed. There may be a slight difference in direction, but those consistent things will take us from where we are to where we want to be. I mean, I watched, you've probably seen the video of Kyle Maynard, the guy with no arms and legs, you know, groveling, bear crawling his way up Mount Kilimanjaro all the way to the top. And I'm saying, yeah, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop saying I'm the exception. There are so many people that do things that we can do but we don't do, you know, they, they physically shouldn't be able to, like you were saying with the climbing Mount Kilimanjaro with no arms and legs, you know, I mean, uh, why do we make so many excuses that sound really good, but are just head trash? Yeah. 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 I, I'm not sure why we do it. I, I think it's, I think in a lot of ways we're looking for the answer to that question and when we say it out loud, we feel like we've found the answer. Um, I like to believe that I'm getting better at identifying those things. I'll say something once in a while and I'll, before I finish, I'll say, and that's just head trash. I mean, that's garbage. I can't let myself even say that again. And it's not about like being some super over the top positive person who's ignoring reality. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about moments in time when I say, that some, you know, I, I posted this yesterday or the day before on my Facebook page, just randomly. I said, you know, the, the, there's what we accept ACC, what we accept should be what we expect because what we accept becomes our beliefs, whether it's true or not, doesn't matter. It's relative truth that ultimately impacts our self-limiting process. And, and why we are so bent on explaining why we can't do things as opposed to accepting why we can, I do not understand why that is. I'm not, I'm not a psychologist. All I know is that that is the number one enemy that every one of us faces. So let's give people who have never dealt with their head trash, let's give them 
simple, and, I, and I'm going to ask for you to do something that's totally not in your nature, but actually give us an easy, not hard, <laughs> <laughs> simple thing you could do to begin to start identifying and dealing with your own head trash. Absolutely. I, I believe that there are four steps to leadership, Steve. I, I've had to distill it down. I, I teach this. Uh, in fact, one of the things I'd love, if you're, if you're open to it, I'd love to just give uh, you and any of your listeners a link to a little class that I do for free that's, that I simply call How to Lead When You Don't Feel Like a Leader. And that's not just for the beginning leader. It's for that day when it's time for you to lead and you just absolutely don't know what to do, um, but you still have to lead. And, and it's really driven by four steps that I find absolutely imperative and yet something that a person who's just got asked to be a leader today can implement right now and then practice to get better at. And those four steps, I believe, answer your question. And they are simple because only simple will endure. And one of them is just get clear. You know, I mean, we, we're unclear. We're so unclear, so undecisive. In so many times, you've got teams and meetings that nobody really knows why they're there and they've lost sight of the true mission that they're on. And until we absolutely get clear about what our purpose is, why we're even in the game, what our definition of success is, then we have no ability to share it and to rally the troops around it. I mean, that is, you know, I can, I can do a lot of talking about that. Second thing, of course, we got to be clear about our enemies, what's in the way. And that's the head trash. I mean, we, we have to identify it. So, so that's step one. We got to get clear. Second, we got to get connected. You and I have experienced this. I know you have. Um, unfortunately, when we're listening to our own voices, we get compounding head trash, not free from head trash. Get clear about it, but then go connect. Get connected with people that you can talk to about these issues. You know, I don't care how good your pastor is or how well-meaning your family and friends are. If you're in leadership, there are conversations you cannot have with them. You've got to have them with other leaders. You've got to go climb mountain with mountain climbers. You've got to go find people who are in the trenches, operators in the field, not theoreticians. You have to be able to talk with those people. So that's my number two. First is get clear. Second is get connected. Third is get passionate. Uh, stop doing things that you're not passionate about. Decide. Logic does not lead. Passion always leads. Passion leads to success. Passion is the fuel. And until that exists, nobody's going to follow your leadership. And then, of course, the fourth thing is one we already talked about. Get traction. The tiniest traction possible. Just make sure that every conversation, every day, and, and one of the things I love about this is finding in the chaos what the tiny traction is that you could actually get. Because hiding in chaos, which is where we live, we don't, you know, we, we find ourselves saying, well, if I get the time, I'm going to work on that, or I'm going to go to a seminar. None of that matters. What matters is that in the middle of the chaos, we find just the simplest traction because there are important things that can still be accomplished right in the middle of all the urgent chaos that we're facing. So get clear, get connected, get passionate, get traction. Sorry, man, I couldn't help but teach the whole class practically right there. Oh, no, um, I, I love it. Absolutely. In fact, if you could give us the um, URL or whatever for the people that are listening that want yeah. to, um, to do the download. 
you know what? I will create a, a landing page there for you. Why don't we, why don't we do this? It's going to be www.noheadtrash.com. I'm sure you'll put this in the notes somewhere. Noheadtrash.com slash thriving. How's that? Sounds great. I appreciate yeah, and, that. And I'll, I'll put, you know, a little personalization in there for you guys to make sure you can get to the link. And, and uh, you know, I'd love to continue this conversation with anybody and including yourself who wants to have it because we absolutely need each other to, to get where we want to go. And uh, if not me, have this conversation with somebody. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I appreciate the time that you've spent today. I really, really, um, I mean, it's up-leveled me, Greg, just in the time I've been with you, um, both our first call as well as this recorded one. Um, thank you so much for the time you spent with us today. Thank you, Steve. It's, it's an honor. And one of the things that is my spoken mission is that I want to have a positive impact on everybody I come in contact with. And being able to do this with you puts in motion my success. So you've helped me fulfill my definition of success today. And I thank you for that. That is so powerful. Ask yourself right now, what is your definition of success? What are the things that you can do right now today to fulfill your definition of success? And then how can you do more of those? How can you get rid of, unpack, remove from your life, uh, give to an assistant, whatever that might be, those things that aren't in alignment with your definition of success. The things that aren't really significant in your life, but you just keep doing. Some of those, and we've been talking about it this whole entire episode, some of those are the things that are happening in between our ears, those thoughts, that head trash, that we just let bobble around up in there rather than just letting it go. Oh, I know. You don't even have to say it. I, I'd be the one to say it for you. It's really easy to say, and it can be very, very difficult to do. But you've got to find a way to live in the place where every day of your life is living in your definition of success. And here's the reason why. It's not about you. You have to live the most successful, thriving, significant life you can live because there are people who depend on you, yes, but there are people who need exactly the skills that you have in order to be able for them to also even learn what success is and then be able to define their own definition of success so that they too can live in their definition of success. I mean, think about the people who have poured into your lives, people that you know, um, close personal friends and mentors, people that you have probably never met, but they've impacted you. Like how many of you, like myself, grew up watching Oprah Winfrey and all of the amazing things she brought or listened to T.D. Jakes. I haven't met them. I still have as my goals that I want to. But they poured in things into you. You are somebody's Tony Robbins. There is somebody that even though you may be motivating people like Tony does, 
because of who you are, what you've been through, and what you share, there are people that you will reach that Tony never will. Even when Tony rolls out a brand new program that has a thousand, more than a thousand affiliates selling it, and millions of it sell in the first day, there are still people that won't be reached because those people, they need to hear from you. Because you are uniquely brilliant. You were created for a purpose. And the world needs you. We need each of us to be the best version of ourselves. But you need to look in the mirror and realize these things that I have inside, they're only as good as I give them away. The things that I can do in life are only as powerful as I have the ability to give it away. I encourage you today to take that personal definition of success and find a way on the most massive scale that you at where you're at right now in your growth can come up with to give the best of who you are away. Now I can tell you one of those ways is through your book. But in order for that to work, your book is going to not need to just be a book. It's going to need to be a bestseller. The average book sells about 40 copies in its lifespan. A bestseller opens doors that include things like, did you know more than 50% of all movies that get made are based off of best-selling books? Being a best-selling author is step one in sharing what only you can share with the world. Today is your day. Today is the day to stop thinking you're going to do it, hoping you're going to do it, wishing you're going to do it, and start making a plan and working on the process of putting your book out into the world. Of course, come and join us at Bestsellers Guild. You can just go to bestsellersguild.com. We would love to have you in our free group. There's people that have already put out books, even multiple books, and people just like you who are wanting to put out a book. And together, we'll all come together significantly living our own definition of success as all of us live every day as a thriving entrepreneur. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today. If you want to get your question answered, send an email to questions at wehelpyouthrive.com. We look forward to you joining us again next time. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. 
that message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out, and find out how you can be a best-selling author today. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.